Welcome back to the Florida History 8 podcast. This is a very special edition of the podcast. I'm joined by, I'm Carter Krishnire. We're actually going to do a similar podcast with Robert Bucciolato, uh, my normal co-host, in a few days, looking at the 2020 election in a historical context. But wanted to first do this one where I am joined by Dave Trotter, known as the numbers guy, the numbers guy. A lot of you follow him on Twitter, and we're going to take a historical overview of the state of Florida in terms of presidential elections and compare what happened in 2020. We're taping this in November of 2020 to previous elections. And and Dave, uh, you've done a lot of work and and been really good in your modeling of Florida in in 2018 and 2020 and have been uh, in and around Florida politics for about 30 years any real surprises from a historical perspective when we talk about 2020? Interesting, because we are seeing just kind of changes everywhere, but yet nowhere, right? So and, and, and this election has been kind of interesting. Um, what we're starting to see is we're starting to see changes in population, just the growth of population in places that people had talked about in the past. Uh, you know, a lot of the central Florida counties, we're seeing population increases um, in and around, um, you know, some parts of, of Jacksonville, we're starting to see those as well. But no one talks about them. A lot of concentration is kind of um, the big three, uh, Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade, and not even the I-4 corridor as much as much as Seminole County, Hillsborough County, and Pinellas County. And for all intents and purposes, a lot of these have stayed the same over the last few cycles, except for Seminole and, and Pinellas, we kind of see those flip backs of the Democratic side. Um, but overall, the reason why we have such a close race, or Trump actually lose, or winning in this case, is that the margins have gone down. In a lot of places where Democrats really rely on the votes to be really high, and I think most noticeable that is obviously Miami-Dade. Yeah, so... Talk a little bit about the exurban counties in Florida. I think we saw the power of the exurbs for the first time in the 2004 presidential race, uh, Kerry v. Bush, although 2002 governor's race and statewide cabinet races were a clear indication of the power of those exurbs. Democratic focus has largely been on Dade, Broward, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, Hillsborough, Pinellas, uh, Orange, Orange and Seminole now is kind of a union, Orange, Seminole, Osceola, and now Duval. But they've uh, continued to lose ground in these other places. Talk a little bit about the excerpts, not just this cycle, but historically. Well, I think it's kind of interesting with the excerpts because, you know, how does one classify that? Because you take Lee County, for example, and it's not necessarily outside of any major geographical area. Right, right. So let me say, uh, sorry, Dave, let me say exurbs and medium-sized metropolitan areas. So that would include Lee County, Fort Myers, Volusia, places like that, Herbar, et cetera. Yeah, and that's kind of the interesting thing is you do have, you know, Fort Myers, Lee County, Collier County down there doing its own thing, but very much acts like these other places. What we are seeing is we're starting to see the population growth in Sumter, um, Pasco County, uh, down in southwest Florida, we're starting to, and Volusia. I mean, a lot of people think of Volusia as Daytona Beach, okay? Um, it hasn't been the largest city there in a while, right? And that, a lot of that is because of the, I guess you could say the suburban sprawl going from some 
Monroe County into uh, into Volusia County is you're seeing a lot of these counties start to gain a lot of voters that are coming from more conservative areas of the Midwest, maybe in the Northeast and in the case of South Florida. But if you're looking at, at let's say, Polk County or Pasco County or, or Volusia, a lot of these are retirees that come from, let's say, uh, you know, Lake County, Illinois, for example, or parts of you know Hamilton County, Ohio, or some other places that are, you know, more Republican. What's interesting about that is that you're seeing these more conservative voters come to Florida from the Midwest, and as a result, you're starting to see those counties up north lose population, but actually start becoming more Democratic, right? So you're seeing Hamilton County become more Democratic, Lake County becoming more Democratic, DuPage County in Illinois becoming more Democratic. It's because they're conservative Voters are now retiring in Florida. I think that is where you see a major shift, especially in places like the villages and and places that aren't these excerpt places you're talking about. So Florida, as a state, and, and I've actually tweeted about this, I have historically, and people who listen to this podcast know this, compared Florida to other southern states. I've used Georgia, North Carolina, we kind, of, kind of Georgia because it's a neighboring state, North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, those sorts of states that are that are border states of the South or rim state South. They were Confederate states, but they're not the deep South. And Texas also as kind of my frames of reference for comparing Florida electorally throughout history. Dave, can we now make a case that Florida is more like a Midwestern state? You're probably better off looking at voting trends and past voter behavior in Ohio, uh, Southern Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, these sorts of places, than maybe looking at Georgia and North Carolina. If you're looking at the disbursement of the population, I think you're right. Obviously, there are you know aspects of the of the electorate that you couldn't compare it to Ohio, like for example, the large Hispanic population in Florida, right? So that doesn't exactly equal up right, there. Right. But if you are looking at it just from a geographical standpoint and how things are happening, yeah, I think that a, a state like Ohio would actually be the case. That you know, Democrats in places. Whenever we're talking about Ohio, what are we always talking about? We're always talking about Cuyahoga County or Franklin County, right? It's like these are the only places for Democrats that that people think Democrats vote in. And for all intents and purposes, in in Ohio, for many years, it basically is that case. We're starting to see that now in Florida. At least the last few cycles, we're seeing these Democratic centers. We're seeing Orange County, Hillsborough County. I think you can say now. Uh, South Florida, Alachua, Leon, and Gadsden. And now you might be able to put Duval County in there, too. Um, but it's like, it's more spread out than Ohio, but it's very much kind of just these centers. And it kind it, it ignores all of the growth happening throughout the state. So if you're looking at where the growth's happening, look at these counties in the peninsula, and it's definitely not trending the Democrats' way. So, I, and again, with Georgia, yeah, you can't really call it a southern state anymore, but also Georgia has, as we're seeing right now, run up the totals in Fulton County and the neighboring counties around Atlanta, and you can win the state. The, the Democrats can't just run up the totals in South Florida anymore and hope to win the state. That's, I mean, that hasn't been the case for a few decades now, but... It definitely is shown right now because 
for all intents and purposes, Democrats lost votes in the big three uh, counties. So they need to make that up somewhere else. Right. And the places that they would then look to make up the margins would be Orange, Osceola, Hillsborough and Pinellas. And let's talk specifically about, and I've always argued Hillsborough is tough because of the eastern suburbs of Tampa, and a lot of people haven't wanted to listen to me about that. Tough for the Democrats. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Pinellas County and what's happened there. And then Osceola, uh, it, it hasn't been noticed by a lot of people, but it underperformed pretty dramatically for the Democrats or overperformed for the Republicans uh, in in 2020. And, and I want to make the case that Rick Scott, the governor of Florida, former governor of Florida, now U.S. senator, had a lot to do with that because his outreach to Latino communities, his his, uh, his ability to speak Spanish, at least you know, kind of broken Spanish, has moved uh, some of those uh, people towards the Republican Party. But there are obviously bigger issues at play. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, let's, yeah, let's break those up a little bit. So, like, for example, Hillsborough County, just not necessarily getting into it this election, but Hillsborough County has never been, like, really necessarily one party or the other. If you look at it historically, it kind of is like on a wild roller coaster, right, where you kind of see a trend with Pinellas County over the years of becoming more Democratic, right? So, you know, and, and then it dipped down in 16 and kind of just went a little bit up for the Democrats in, in this election cycle. But in the Hillsborough, it really is a crapshoot. It sometimes can go either way. Maybe that's changing now because it seems like the margins are a little bit more stable for Democrats in Hillsborough. So we might be seeing that there. But interesting about Osceola County which I think is quite interesting, and I tweeted this. I had to pull up my tweets to look at it. Looking at Point of Ventura Lakes in Osceola County, Clinton got 78% of the votes in this. Now, for those of you who don't know, Point of Ventura Lakes is, is I believe, the largest uh, Puerto Rican population uh, per capita as far as, I think... Outside, outside of New York City, I believe, yes. Yeah. Yeah, in the so uh, it's it's the place that, uh, for those who may not know the full name, it's the place we refer colloquially in Central Florida or in the state of Florida as BVL. Right. Yeah, so continue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, so Clinton got 78% of the vote, Biden got 68% of the vote. Trump got, in 16, got 18% of the vote. He got 30.2% of the votes this time. So a lot of those people that might have voted third party uh, in the last election, we're more likely to go to Trump than to go to Biden this time. So, I mean, why is this just happening? Obviously, we're only a few weeks out from the election. It's kind of hard. It's kind of following a national trend with uh, Hispanic voters. So, you know, is it a bigger trend? Is it a, a smaller trend just within here that the dynamics are a little bit different? I don't know. But we are seeing the and this isn't necessarily underperformance, right? Because the turnout was still, I believe, a little bit higher, right? So it wasn't that just Democrats didn't turn out to vote. Now, if we look at the precinct-level data, we might see that eventually. But what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of people who might be NPAs, you know, independents, actually maybe voting more Republican. And I think we'll start seeing this further down in the data when we look at down-ballot races. So Osceola is definitely one that has totally underperformed for the Democrats. And when you combine that with Miami-Dade County, uh, that's not a good trend if you're a Democratic candidate. 
Are there areas of concern for the Republicans? Because obviously we can say the Democrats are performing worse and worse in, in Pinellas, Miami-Dade and Osceola, you've addressed. They've actually made up some ground in Broward and Palm Beach as well, which uh, are counties you traditionally think of as Democratic counties. But I have to point out Hillsborough County, which for years was the bellwether in the state now, has gone Democratic by fairly comfortable margins in 16 and 20, and the Republicans have still won statewide. Uh, are there any concerns, problem areas for Republicans? Uh, obviously, Duval County is one, but beyond that. And um, I don't want to harp too much on this, and this is, of course, a Florida history podcast, but there's a contemporary political scandal which involves a lot of Republicans in Jacksonville, which I think may have hurt Trump. It may not have been his fault. It may have been the fault of, of some local elected officials who were Republicans in Jacksonville. But but uh, any concerns for Republicans on the map? Well, I think going to the ball, you and I have talked about this uh, privately, is about that this change in the ball has maybe just taken a while to happen. It should have happened a few cycles ago, right? So now we're starting to see maybe Duval perform how it maybe should as far as the electorate. But, yeah, I mean, there are, if you're looking at, as a Republican, one thing I would be worried about, and, and these might sound a little bit odd, but some areas uh, in and around Central Florida, so Brevard County, for example, Brevard County Democrat actually picked up some raw vote numbers there, right? If you look at Sarasota a little bit further south, it wasn't as big of a gap as maybe some might have expected. It still went Republican and the raw vote totals did favor Republicans, but not as much as in, let's say, neighboring Manatee County or, or Charlotte County, right? So, Sarasota, if given, I mean, I know that the Democrats put a lot of money in there, but it's a problem for Republicans. We are starting to see that change. But I think another area, and, and of course, I'll mention Seminole County just because it's flipped. So, Seminole County is definitely a place where I think we're going to. I don't know if we'll see it go as strongly as orange as we saw between um, 1996 and, and 2008. Okay, I don't know if it'll shift that drastically, but it could. Um, but other counties, I think the panhandle, right? If we look at raw vote totals, Democrats actually outperformed Republicans in Escambia and Okaloosa County. So to just see... Democrats doing a little bit better in Okaloosa County than previously, that has to be a good sign. I think Escambia is one that within the next 10 or 15 years, could. I mean, that, that's saying a lot, and a lot can happen between now and then, could change. And another one to look at, I think, is Clay County. And you know a little bit more about the dynamics, I think, of the geography there in Clay County, but I think we're starting to see that slightly starting to stabilize and maybe eventually start creeping up Democratic. But if I'm the Republicans, the, the gains that are being made by the Democrats in these areas are just not enough statewide. There, there has to be a major catastrophic um, collapse of the Republican vote somewhere else for that to happen. Maybe that's the margins in, in Palm Beach and Broward. I don't know. But as far as this election, Miami-Dade did really help. That accounts for more than half of the Republican victory, for, for or the victory for Donald Trump. Yeah, so um, when you talk about Clay and Scambia, Fleming Island, I would say, and Clay is filling up with some people who, who vote uh, will vote for Democrats. And Escambia, there is a small but growing hipster 
Biden in a part of Pensacola. So uh, I don't think that's enough to overturn either of those two counties. I don't think that's necessarily enough to make a difference statewide, but those are positive signs for the Democrats. Uh, last uh, question before we leave here. The old Republican horseshoe was the key for Republican competitiveness in this state and actually the key for the Republicans winning the president's presidential election, uh, Florida's electoral votes from 1980 to 1992. That that old horseshoe was was decimated in 96 by Clinton. They've never really rebuilt it. But in 2020, we saw for the second straight cycle, St. Lucie County, which was a part of that horseshoe, flip uh, go, go to the Republicans. You see uh, Volusia County for the third straight election go to the Republicans after a long succession of it being a Democratic county. And you see the Democrats' inability, despite a lot of effort, to make inroads in Sarasota County, which is another part of that horseshoe. So uh, talk about that historical thing. The Republican horseshoe doesn't exist anymore because obviously Orange County in particular has become heavily Democratic. But the the ends of the horseshoe seem to be pretty intact. And then maybe you, you run it through Brevard and um, it always ran through Brevard. You run it through Volusia and over through Marion and Lake now and it's still intact. Yeah, I mean, and obviously uh, parts of South Florida have made some, some changes as well. So that, are, I mean, so you do have that. Um, as far as the horseshoe, I think, I think one, two members of Congress you can look at as when they were members of Congress, or at least one, Bill Nelson, Bill Nelson, Jim Beckus, right? Look at their seats and look at what they were like back in the days. Now look at a lot of those seats. Look at Brevard County, especially, right? It is switched to the Republican side. What you have is, I mean, I think there's a dynamic of a number of things. So if we look at Sumter County, Lake County parts, uh, you know, it, it, even those parts of the county, I don't know if necessarily would be part of the horseshoe because we're looking at the northern parts of those counties, um, are becoming much more Republican. Those people I was talking about before who are coming from DuPage County, Hamilton County, Lake County to Central Florida. But Again, what kind of breaks that horseshoe is Orange County, is Hillsborough County now performing much stronger. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the horseshoe, it's kind of becoming uh, inverted. What kind of made the horseshoe what it was is the Democrats would perform better in places like Pasco County. Yeah. Right? So that kind of became like the border, how you could tell the horseshoe. Now it's inverted. Now you're seeing Pasco County become Republican, and I think that's why you don't see the horseshoe as defined, because you just have this big cut right through the center of the peninsula that is just very solidly Republican. And some of the games for the Republicans this year was uh, Polk County. I mean, we already mentioned Osceola County, but uh, Pasco as well. So Republicans did quite well in Pasco. So, um yeah, and as recently as 2000, Pasco and Hernando were Democratic counties at the presidential right. level. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the horseshoe is something gone. But I think if we look at Florida in general, it's looking like the, the national map in general, where you just see the urban areas with blue, suburban areas, and every other place red. We're just seeing Florida follow that trend now. And that's just, I think, a national trend that's starting to happen. Dave, uh, tell us about your new uh, website project. Obviously, you still contribute to thefloridasqueeze.com, our parent website at the Florida History Podcast. But, but tell us about your new website on voting trends. Yeah, so votingtrend.com is basically, as of now, a website that's basically looking at just 
the trends in vote, how people vote, um, try to explain certain things about the electorate that um, maybe can't be explained just looking at things at face value. So the whole idea is to look at the numbers, delve into them, and come up with some ideas as to why certain things happen are happening. It's not necessarily focused just on Florida. I'll be looking at a lot of other states as well. When it comes to venting about certain things in Florida, I will probably put that on the Florida squeeze like, like I do. Um, but, yeah, it is just votingtrend.com. So easy site to find, and you can sign up there. And, yeah, great. I'll be contributing to that site about hopefully once a week, maybe twice a week. And where can we find you on Twitter? I think everybody listening probably knows, but uh, restate it. Right, so since I'm a Chicago person, and duh, we say instead of duh, duh numbers guy, D-A numbers guy at Twitter. Great. Thank you, Dave. And thank you once again for listening to the Florida History Podcast. We'll be back next week with another new edition.